He is a good God. Amen? Amen. All right. Am I, uh, am I on here? Is uh, something going on? Something's happening. All right. Cool. Hey, turn with me to Revelation 19. Let's dive right into the Word and hear what God has to say for us. We're actually going to look at our future, like Clint said. So, um, so we're just, in the next few weeks, we just want to talk about what it would look like on earth as is in heaven. We've been really learning about God's desire for us and His love for us, and we're letting God's love transform our hearts and transform our relationships, and we're, we're learning about who we are in Christ. Amen? We've spent like a couple months just learning that because of the blood of Jesus, we are sinless in Christ. Amen? Righteous, perfect, that even though we're in process and we're becoming like Jesus, we are becoming who we already are, right? And, and, and in that series, we learned a little bit, we got a glimpse into how the kingdom works. We got a glimpse in the fact that God is brilliant and that the way that he gets his kingdom on earth is by planting a seed that produces fruit, right? He gets his righteousness fruit on the earth by planting a righteousness seed. And, and so I've heard it said that Jesus didn't come to earth and die and rise j- just so that he could get you to heaven, although that's a good, that's a good thing. I'd like, you know, I like heaven, but to get heaven into us. Have you ever heard of people say that? And so we want to we wanna think like God thinks. We want to feel like God feels. The, the reality is, is that Jesus' purpose in coming and dying and rising, it says in Romans 8, the Father did this so that we would be conformed to the likeness of Christ. Um, remember Hebrews says that Jesus... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, that the Father brought many sons to glory. Right? This really is about God invading earth with heaven and transforming this world to look like his world. That's what this whole gospel is about. This isn't just about like a t- getting a ticket to heaven. I think most of us realize that. But the gospel of the kingdom is about God invading this broken world with his wholeness. Coming and invading so that in the end... Revelation says that we're going to rejoice and, and, and we're going to hear this declaration that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms or the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. That Jesus is going to rule on this earth. And when Jesus is king, he makes everything right. And so we're in the now and we're in the in-between where we are the inbreaking of his kingdom. We, we have his righteousness in us. Literally, Jesus is living inside of us like we sang today that the Holy Spirit is in us, Christ in us, and he's causing us to become to look just like him and his desire is that nations whole nations will be discipled and blessed and that nations that people that families that homes would look on earth as it is in heaven really in many ways i'm not trying to in any way exhaust what that would look like in this series i mean it would look like justice it would look like freedom it would look like wholeness it would look like so many things that we probably aren't really even going to get into but i just want to at least talk about it, right? I want to take a glimpse at his brilliant strategy to get his will done on earth, his kingdom come on earth as in heaven. It's his plan, it's his strategy, it's what, his, it's what this redemptive work is all about, and it's our prayer, as Jesus told us to pray, right? Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. And so, to me, that's what holiness is. That's what unity is. That's what healthy relationships is. It's Christ's character being formed in me. No thought in me that is not in him. No emotion in me that is not in him. 
And so it causes us to ask that question, what does heaven look like? What does it look like when Jesus is king? It's not just heaven being a specific location, although that's actually a really good thought to think about. It's really about who is God and how does he rule and reign? What does his kingdom look like? And we can look all over the scriptures for answers to that kind of question. And today I just want to take just a just want to take a look at a particular passage of scripture and let the Lord speak to us. You ready for God to speak to you? <clears throat> I believe that one word could change your life. Amen. That's what happened when Jesus was on earth, right? You have to say, rise, walk. Right? You don't have to say very many things. One word from Jesus could change our life. Amen? So I got, I got one word for you. All right, here we go. So in Revelation 19, um, verse 6, we'll just start in verse 6, although the other verses are good too. Verse 6, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, referring to an angel actually, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is our future. This is our destiny. All of human history is moving towards a wedding. Jesus' wedding. I, and I really believe this is going to really happen. You know, I heard somebody say, isn't that a metaphor? And I, I thought, well, if it's a metaphor, what's a metaphor of? You know, <laughs> a huge party and lots of feasting and... I mean, come on. I mean, Jesus literally said on earth, I long for this day. He said, I'm not going to even drink wine until I drink it anew in the kingdom. He's talking about this day. He's talking about the greatest party and the greatest celebration, his wedding, the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? This is, this is, this is where all of human history is moving to. We've learned even in the last number of months that all, everything was created for Jesus. To, the nations are his inheritance. And, and on this day, it says a great multitude, which we know is people from every tribe, tongue, language, and nation. We're talking probably billions of people. A countless multitude of people. And do you, do you hear what it says there in verse uh, 6? The sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thunderings. We're talking probably the loudest sound you will ever hear is going to be on that day. Billions of people, countless multitudes of redeemed human beings, right? People who were sinners, rebellious, who hated God, who were demonized and broken and, 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 and struggling, weak human beings who have been bought by the blood of Jesus, washed and cleansed, transformed by His grace, radiating with His glory. In fact, His voice sounds like water's. And our voice is going to sound like many waters. Our voice is going to sound like his voice. That's how much transformed into his image we're going to be. And it's going to be the greatest celebration, the greatest shout of praise on that day from redeemed people. People who were dead in their sins. 
and yet now who are alive and what? Are going to reign with Jesus forever. On this day is the culmination, right? On this day, we will have our glorified bodies. The, the, the rapture and the resurrection will have happened and we will, we will stand before Jesus in these resurrected bodies, glorified bodies, just like Jesus. And, and there won't be any more pain. Can, can you imagine that? Some of you who, who walk around with pain all the time, no more pain. Okay, this, is, this is the fulfillment. This is when it is finished. This is, the, this is at least the celebration. And this is the beginning of Jesus. And after this, he's going to come and reign on the earth for a thousand years. And then he's going to make a new heaven, a new earth, and just reestablish everything. But this is the beginning of when, when we celebrate our consummation of just being his and him being ours. And he begins to reign and we will reign with him and share in this glory for eternity. And we are going to shout so loud. I raised the roof, you know what I'm saying? No, I'm just that was dumb, but that was dumb. Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. This is the, this is the charge. This is the charge. You see that in verse 7? Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. There, there's not going to be any greater worship. The worship of angels cannot compare to this. There's not going to be any greater joy than on this day. There's not going to be any greater worship than on this day. And that's just the, just the beginning, right? Of something so amazing. This is where all of human history is going. This is our hope as believers, the hope of our resurrection. And notice that it says here, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. Why, why does it say that? I mean, it's kind of like, in, it's like an invitation to worship. Oh, Man, let us rejoice. Yeah, let's get excited. Let's give him the glory. You want to know why? Because when you're there on that day, some good food, hanging out together, there's not going to be anything else to do or to feel than joy and glory. There's not going to be anything else. See, that's why it says that. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Why? Because when you're there on that day, that's all that there's going to be left to do. That's it. That's what it will feel like. That's what heaven is like. I mean, I'm sure heaven is a lot more. Hey, what's heaven like? Joy. Why? Because that's who God is. Remember when the Jesus told the parable of the prodigal son. The son comes home and the father is rejoicing, right? The, sheep, the shepherd finds the sheep and is rejoicing. Heaven rejoices because God rejoices. There's this huge celebration on this day. Why? Because Jesus gets his inheritance. The eternal plan of God to bring everything under the lordship of Jesus Christ has finally come to culmination. 
Jesus gets his bride. Jesus is satisfied. Jesus gets the desire of his heart. And there is so much joy in his heart. So much joy filling heaven. Not only that is, everything you've ever longed for, the intimacy that you've longed for, the freedom that you've longed for, the hope of the resurrection that you've longed for, everything, it's going to be fulfilled. Like I said, no more sorrow, no more death, no more pain. Every tear wiped away. You're not going to have anything left to do but be like, yes! Oh God, this is the greatest thing in the whole entire eternity. I mean, this is, there, and I'm telling you, angels don't worship like that because they haven't gone through what we've been through. Because they haven't been redeemed out of the stuff that we've been redeemed out of. I mean, look, the stuff you're going through right now, okay, maybe some trial, some economic thing, you know, some anxiety or pain. I understand it's difficult. And the Lord, Bible says the Lord has compassion on us, right? And he wants to heal that and things like that. But I just want you to understand, when you stand upon, it's a sea of glass, right? And you're there and you're celebrating and you're feasting with Jesus. There's not going to be anything else but joy and glory. All that stuff you're going through right now, not even going to matter. Right, think about that. I'm not saying that God doesn't care what you're going through. I'm not saying it's not a trial. What I'm saying is compared to that day, on that day, when you look backwards and you see that God was with you, do you realize that? You're going to look backwards and you're going to be like, oh, you were with me every single step of the way, carrying me, loving me like a shepherd. You were providing for me. You're, right now you're going, oh, I'm just, I mess up. I, 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 I am such a sinner, right? Which you're not, you're righteous in Christ, but you, you beat yourself up. You're going to look back and be like, you were changing me the whole time and loving me the whole time. You're going to look back and you're going to say what? was worth it. I don't mean that the problems, like the attacks of the enemy from God, I mean like trusting him and loving him and saying yes to him when obedience hurts, when obedience is sacrificial, when you're a Joseph and you say yes to purity and you get thrown in a prison because we live in an unjust, broken world. You're going to say it was worth it. There's not going to be anything left to do but to rejoice because he will have redeemed you. He will have restored. He will have finished everything and he'll get the glory. There will be no room for you to get any of the glory. We won't even want to. We'll see everything from an eternal perspective. We'll take a step back and go, oh my God, you worked this by your own mighty hand. Before the creation of the world, you chose us in Christ. This was your eternal plan. Nobody made you create. Nobody made you die. Nobody made you do this. You did this. It was by your grace. You're going to see the transformation that God has brought in your life. You're going to be standing before Jesus. You're going to look just like Jesus. And you're going to say, you did this. I rebelled against you and yet you wanted me so much that you bought me. You loved me and bought me with your own blood. And you are going to give him glory. 
You are going to take your crown and you are going to lay it before his throne and say everything, everything is to your glory. Nobody gets to boast in the end. Every proud thing, every human, prideful, arrogant thought will be destroyed on that day. I mean, that's part of why the wrath of God is going to come on the earth and all that craziness in Revelation. Literally, he will bring every proud thing low. And he, the Bible says, will be the only one exalted. He will be all and in all. He gets all the glory which is right and fair. And on that day, in fact, a couple verses earlier, we're going to see the judgments of God and say, you are so right to do this. He's going to vindicate the martyrs. I'm saying some of us who will die for Christ, we will look back and we will say, it was so worth it. I mean, I get to reign with Christ. There is no greater joy. It was so worth it to say yes to Jesus, to say no to sin. Because of this, day because of this right this is our inheritance this is our reward this is where everything is headed right joy and glory can you imagine there's not going to be any depression it's not going to be any self-pity woe is me there's not going to be any pride Arrogance, like I said. There's not going to be any pain or sickness. There's not going to be any condemnation. Because condemnation, you're looking at who? Yourself, right? He gets all the glory. You won't even be focused on yourself. I mean, you'll be rejoicing that you've been redeemed. You'll be, we'll be celebrating. I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm like uh, kind of making this. I'm not making it up, but I'm, kind of thinking, using my imagination, but we're going to be eating together. You're going to experience unity with the body of Christ like never before, right? We're going to be experiencing oneness and fellowship and sharing each other's stories and things like that. I mean, can you imagine being there on, on, that, on that wedding feast and, and somebody goes, you, you led me to Jesus. And you're, do you realize, you're, you're going to realize how God used you. I mean, you're not going to get any of the glory. You're going to go, oh, wow, I got to be a part of that. You're going to get to see and experience all these times where you are wondering, you know, am I, am I, am I making any, am, am I doing anything of good? Am I doing any purposeful thing on the earth and all this kind of stuff? You're not going to be worried about any of that. All that like, what's my purpose? Am I making a difference, right? All that self-focus, gone. Why? Because he gets all the glory and you get to see how God has worked in you and how God has worked through you because you will have an eternal perspective. There will be no greater joy because you will finally see him face to face, the Bible says. First Corinthians 13, that you will know him as you are fully known. You will see him face to face. I cannot imagine. I'm so excited about this idea. The greatest intimacy with Jesus, the creator of the universe, and I get to know him like he knows me. We are going to be so overwhelmed. We are going to be so overcome with the revelation of the glory of God. Nothing else will matter. And all that we've ever been through will look like a shadow. Paul says it this way. He says, man, you know, I know you're going through stuff, but these, he calls it the light and momentary affliction. Light cannot be compared 
literally, right, cannot be compared to the weight of glory, he says, of what we're going to inherit when Jesus comes back. That's like comparing a feather to a billion tons of gold. You're going to step into this and you're going to go, what was I worried about? What was I struggling with all those years? I remember years ago realizing that God was so good. I didn't believe it, but I saw it in the word. And I said, man, I don't want to get to heaven and encounter God and realize, man, you're so much better than I thought. You are so, so good. And I I didn't think that, right? I mean, honestly, the only people who are going to be like grieving, and I I don't know how this is going to work, is the people who hid their talents because they thought God was just this angry God, right? The joy is because it says here, the wife has made herself ready, right? The faithful, the ready, those who are serving the Lord, those who are saying yes to God. And we've said this before, it's not perfection. You're in process, right? You're perfect in Christ and you're in process. It's those who have a yes in their spirit, 100% to say, you are my Lord. And what you say, I do. And it, it's like a bride getting herself ready, right? Getting herself ready, beautifying and preparing herself to meet her groom with longing in her heart, with desire in her heart. This is what strengthens us here on this earth to endure anything right? This is this. When this is embedded in your heart, you can say no to sin, can't you? No, 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 no. No, I'm waiting for my, my Lord. No, no, the pleasures and the joy and the glory far exceed any of the temporal temptations. Like the pleasures of God, so filling your heart here and now, that you go, <laughs> yeah, right, like I'm going to do that. That's dumb. That's a waste of my time. That's a distraction. I want to be ready for him to come, right? Burning for Jesus. Distractions, busyness, worldly things lose their hold, right? Lame, right? Boring, pointless, time wasters, because I want to be burning for him when he comes back, Right? The wife, the bride, making herself ready, fulfilling the calling of God, partnering with Jesus, giving our lives for Jesus and for the gospel to bring his inheritance to himself. This is what would strengthen our hearts against persecution. Remember the apostles? Well, you tell us, what do you think? Is it right to fear you or fear God? Is it right to obey you or God? Oh, we're going to take your life. Go right ahead. You can't even touch my life. Christ is my life. My life is hidden with Christ and God. Dude, I'm living for this day. I'm going to reign with Jesus. Struggle with unforgiveness? Why? God is the judge. I'm going to be with Jesus. And you need Jesus, right? People trying to attack you or persecute you. They steal your property. (laughs) 
Go right ahead. I got a better one. Right? Steal from you? Cheat from you? Dude. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not saying the Lord doesn't care about those things here on earth want to protect you and bless you. I'm not saying that. There's lots of scriptures on that. I'm just talking about perspective here, right? Now, if that's what it's going to be like in heaven, why not on earth? Why not worship the Lord on earth as it is in heaven? If on that day you'll gain a perspective on life, that transforms everything in you and around you, why not right now? If you're already righteous, why are you worried about sin? If you're already forgiven, if you already have an inheritance in God, the Bible says in Romans 8 that you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. That the spirit of sonship, right, the spirit of God is in you, bearing witness that you are a son or a daughter of God. You've been adopted by God, and you have an inheritance in God. And the Holy Spirit is called a down payment or the first installment, right? He is the presence of heaven here on earth. He is the kingdom on earth in you, the first installment of everything else. You've heard me probably say that, if you have a billion-dollar inheritance that somebody died for to get you, right? Somebody has to die to get you an inheritance. Jesus died. He paid the price. It's your inheritance. We know what it looks like because we can see it in Revelation. No more sickness, no more pain, no more dying, wipes every tear, etc., etc., like I just said. If that's your inheritance and the Spirit of God is living inside of you, He is the first installment. You have access to your inheritance. So if you have a billion-dollar inheritance and I give you $100 right now, out of your inheritance. Right? That is a sign of more, right? That hundred is a piece of it all. It's the first installment, the down payment of more. And the Bible makes it clear that you can access that. You can access what God has paid for with the blood of Jesus. And made available to us in heaven. You can access that by faith. Well, how do you think Jesus did it? Why do you think Jesus came on earth? He is the king of God's kingdom. What did he do when he came on earth? He brought the kingdom. What did it look like? He ruined every funeral. Healed every person. Right? Because when the kingdom of darkness is confronted with the kingdom of light, who wins every time? How did he access the things of the kingdom? Remember one time, he needed to feed a bunch of people, and he said, thank you. How did he talk to the Father? He understood his inheritance. And so, he said to the Father, thank you, Father. And then he fed multitudes of people and had leftovers because he was able to access the abundance that is in heaven.
How did he do that? He worshipped God on earth that is in heaven. Thankfulness. Joy. Glory. Where God gets all the glory. It's all by your grace. All that I am, all that I have is all by your grace. You get all the glory. Where we rejoice and we rejoice in the fact, thank you, I am forgiven. I'm redeemed. I have an inheritance in you. You've made promises to me. Your word is forever settled settled in heaven. You are faithful. You will finish what you started. And we live by that word that cannot be broken. And we live by his character that cannot change. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was the healer when he led the Israelites out of Exodus. And he is the healer still. He was the healer when he walked on earth. And he is still the healer today. It's who he is. He can't change. Well, you know, I don't know. I, I liked doing that healing thing back then. I think I'm just going to change. No, he can't change. He is life. He is the resurrection and the life. It's who he is. He cannot change. And we rejoice. My God reigns. My God reigns. Do you realize that God sits upon the throne from everlasting to everlasting? He is God, the sovereign one, working out everything to bring it to this completion where Jesus gets his inheritance. He's working out everything that way. Yes, human beings are rebelling against God. It's not to say that his kingdom doesn't happen on earth, right? Remember Jesus told the parable of the the wheat and the tares grow up at the same time. People saying yes to God, saying no. And there's persecution. Church being persecuted. But do you realize that as the nations rage against God in Psalm 2, God sits on the throne and he does what? He laughs. He laughs. (laughs) Right, right, right. Go right ahead. Yes, disobey me. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, live in deception. You will ruin your life. He looks at the the kings of the earth. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make a uh, you know we're make a nuclear bomb here. Yeah, all right, we're gonna fight against the plan of God. <laughs> yeah, right. You got these conspiracy you know people you know sometimes you got people who are believing all these conspiracy theories. And some okay maybe let's say they're true. Let's say they're all true. And probably some of them are. You know, saying something's pretty crazy, right? It's all true. Okay, conspiracy theory. You know what God is doing? <laughs> yeah, give it a try. Yeah, that's true. I mean, do you realize right? The Antichrist is gonna rise up. It's going to be pretty bad, by the way. You read Revelation, you're like, dang, that's bad. Do, do you realize? I mean, come on. Like, he gets, like, to have authority for, like, three and a half years. <laughs> come on. Dude, that's hilarious. Like, yeah, give it a try. You're going to try to be Jesus. Okay. Yeah, right. You're going to try to get all the affections of the nations. Not going to win. Do you realize what Armageddon is? All the nations go, we don't want Jesus. And the fire of God, Bam. They're done. He laughs. He's not scared. He's not worried. He's not depressed. Jesus is advancing. His kingdom is advancing. People are coming to Jesus all the time. Lives are being transformed. And all to the praise of his glory. Your life, your redeemed, transformed life is bringing him glory. So give him glory. Does it mean, give him glory. Your life is being transformed. 
Look at yourself. I, don't, I mean, not like in the self-analyzation way, not in the beating yourself up way. I mean, but go, look at what you're doing. You're awesome. Give him glory. Give him glory. He's made promises to you. Give him glory. How was Abraham strengthened in faith? What did he do? It says in Romans 4, Abraham was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. When? Before he received the promise. Before. Why? Because he worshiped God on earth as it is in heaven. He worshiped God according to what he said, according to the truth of God's word. And what happens when you worship God on earth as it is in heaven? What happens when you align with the reality of the promises of God and the reality of the kingdom of God? What happens when you worship God on earth as is in heaven? Then heaven comes on earth. Psalm 22, God inhabits the praises of his people. There's something about worship. There's something about worship that attracts God, that attracts the things of heaven. I think it blesses God and attracts him. I think it opens up our own hearts too in that sense. I mean, however it works. How did Jesus release the things of the kingdom? Through thankfulness, through faith, right? Joy and glory. I would say, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Let us worship God on earth as it is in heaven. Let us give him the glory, do him now on earth as it is in heaven. Nations can rage. Nations can rage. People can say God's ways aren't right. People can mock Go right ahead. We win. Now, of course, we're not going to say that in judgment. You know, we love people and stuff. So please don't, don't have that attitude in relationship towards people. I just mean, I have that attitude towards their philosophies. Towards them, we pray for them, want them to be saved. But go out right ahead and rage against God. He will reign on the earth. And we will reign with him. See, when you have this perspective, when you understand this reality, and you live this way, you understand you can rejoice. And you can give him the glory to his name right here, right now. And I'm saying, if you'll do that, if you'll worship God on earth as it is in heaven, then you'll see heaven invade your circumstance. Not before. Not before. You need to choose to rejoice and align with the reality of heaven. You need to choose thankfulness. You need to choose to God. You need to choose to worship him like he's actually king. Like he's actually in charge. Like he's actually God who made a promise to you. Like he's actually faithful. And you come into agreement with God. And you give him the glory due his name. Stop saying, God, I'm not really sure if you're going to come through for me. I'm, I don't know, God, is this really going to work? Abraham said, forget it. Forget that my body's dead. Forget that Sarah's 90-something and I'm 90-something. Forget it. I'm going to give you glory. Right? Worship on earth as it is in heaven. I'm, I'm convinced this is how, or a very, very key way, that the kingdom of God comes. I believe this is why 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, rejoice always, pray continually, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Because if we would walk in that reality, we would see God's will done. It would transform our hearts, our minds, our emotions. We would see and persecution and suffering and hard times through a new lens. It would, it would invoke a repentance in us, wouldn't it? 
It would cause us to go, dude, he's going to win. He's right. All of his ways are right. I'm wrong. And it would cause us to say, why am I lying? Why am I stealing? Why am I not walking in integrity? Why am I not getting my life on track to seek the Lord with everything that I am? Dillo, you know? It's a waste of my, my time and my energy to do anything else but then what God says, right? Everything would come into perspective when we would worship God on earth as it is in heaven. I'm convinced this is... Let me just say it this way. I'm convinced this, is, this would change our character more than we realize. That worshiping God is more powerful than we realize. It's not just about a moment that we feel good. It's not just about uh, singing songs because like, uh, we're supposed to. See, when we, when we gathered here this morning and, and we were worshiping the Lord on earth as it is in heaven, we invited his presence to come and do something in us by the power of his spirit. I want to take you to all these different scriptures I'm quoting, but just for the sake of just time and passion, I'm just going to keep pouring it out on you. But first, John 3 says that when we see him, we will be like him. There will come a day that I just showed you, you will see him as he is and that seeing will transform you into his likeness. There is something about beholding that transforms. You become what you worship. We're transformed to his likeness when we behold. What does 2 Corinthians 3 say? Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. See, here on this earth, we are beholding the glory of the Lord. In the word of God, right, through the gospel, we're hearing the word of God preached to us and we're discovering who God is. Second uh, Corinthians 3 says, we're seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus. When we see the cross, we see who God is. When we see Christ, we see who God is. We're experiencing, we're discovering, we're encountering the glory of God. And it's literally called beholding as in a mirror. I believe that when we're worshiping, we're meditating on the word of God and we're declaring and we're thanking who he is. We are beholding him. We are beholding the reality of God reigning and ruling. The reality that he is righteous despite all the wickedness of humanity. That he is good despite all the impurities and the brokenness of this world. He is good. He is father. He is judge. He is king. And we're worshiping him and it changes us. I believe that worship, worshiping him like this on earth as in heaven, would change your character more than you realize. See, people who don't have a vision for what it would look like to be transformed into Christ's glory don't have desperation and hunger for it. I, I mean, I understand that. I, I'm, kinda, I'm talking to people who are like me, who just long with everything in them to be like Christ because we're convinced he's the best. That he is the son of man. He's perfect man, perfect human. And so we long to be conformed to his likeness. But see, then people who don't ha have that desperation, they're not going to go after it. You might read your Bible, but you're not going to read your Bible with that hunger, that desperation, like a treasure hunter looking for treasure. 
Oh man, I know there's got to be gold here somewhere. I know there's got to be treasure here. Digging, looking, searching, exploring until you find it. Because you know, you know that in this word, in this book, is the revelation of God's glory to you through Christ. That when you read the Bible, you encounter Christ and he reveals himself to you and he speaks to you. And so often people who don't have that hunger, that desperation like a treasure hunter, they also don't have that understanding of what worship does to you. It's just singing songs. Yeah, you read the Bible, it's words on a page. You sing song, it's singing songs. No, that's not what we're doing. That when we come to the Lord and we're reading the word, we're encountering Christ and he's speaking to us. And when we're wor- you're worshiping him, right? And his spirit is revealing things to us and transforming us. See, on that day, we'll see him as he is and we'll be made like him. And when we do that on earth, we are made like him. I'm convinced this is essential even to justice. To seeing justice go to the nations. I'll show you that another day. I'm convinced this is how and probably the primary way that the kingdom comes to transform us, when we rejoice in God and give Him the glory, when we worship Him on earth as is in heaven, when we get our eyes off ourselves and we get our eyes on who He is, and we thank Him, and we exalt Him, and we worship Him. <clears throat> it's like water attracting water. The praise in my heart attracts presence of God. Just like water on the earth will attract rain. So this praise in my heart, this joy, this glory in my heart, drawing and attracting the things of God. I'm actually pretty aggressive about this in my own life. Uh, it's not something that I de- necessarily just do like haphazardly when it comes to like character. Um, if I want something from the Lord, I go after it. I'm convinced that I have an inheritance in God. <clears throat> I remember when, I, I, I kind of described this last week when we talked about the fact that we have peace with God, God's not angry, but I remember when the Lord told me that, that he said, you'll love Michelle, my wife, you'll love Michelle like I love her when you realize that I'm not angry. I happen to be a stronghold in my own life, right? What do you do with something like that? Most of us go, that was a nice experience with God, you know? What, what do you do with, like, you're worshiping the Lord and you feel His presence and you feel like the joy of the Lord? You're like, man, this is what I need, you know? And you feel like, like for a minute, you feel like the joy of the Lord. What, what do you do with that? Most of us go, that was nice. God threw me a bone. Not realizing that that was called an encounter. That was a revelation. That was heaven breaking in. That was God changing you. Your spirit connected with God's spirit, and you encountered something of heaven. But we have this brokenness in our soul. So these one-time experiences don't automatically, we think the kingdom just works automatically, don't we? Pop the, pop the thing in the microwave and out it comes, hot and warm and ready to eat. No, 
The kingdom works like farming, right? You've got to plant the seed and wait and water and work and till and prune and weed. And so a lot of times, here's what we don't understand, that the one time you encountered that joy in his presence or that one word from God where he literally told you what would transform you, hey, Dave, I just want you to know, like, you love your wife like I'd love her. If you just realize I wasn't angry. Like, what do you do with that? That's called an invitation. What do you do with parables? What do you do with stories? You know, well, the kingdom of heaven is like a uh, guy who's dragging a net and caught a bunch of fish. I mean, what do you do with that? We go like this. We go, I don't know. What do you do with a message when a guy's talking to you about joy and glory and you go, I'm not, I'm not really sure what to do about that, Dave. What do you do about that? I mean, what do you do? Like one time I did this purity series and I talked about the pleasures of God would satisfy you deep in the core of your being. Wouldn't even want to be tempted anymore. And I had guys tell me, I was like, I love the whole series except that one. I didn't, I don't know what to do with that message. And I was like, <laughs> I know. Listen to it a bunch. And now I'm talking to some of these guys after two years and they're like, yeah, I've been really like meditating on the pleasures of God and it's starting to take effect in my life, you know? What do you do with that? The one-time experience in his joy, the one-time experience in his pleasure is supposed to become your experience all the time, your lifestyle. The one-time encounter is to become your lifestyle. That make sense? The seed is to be, bear fruit. So what do you do with that? You go after it. And God says, God says, Dave, I'm gonna, you, dude, you will love like I love. You'll be transformed by me. And believe me, he's done this in so many ways. One time he came to me and he goes, he goes, uh, I, I was actually worshiping the Lord. That was good times, right? And the Lord came and he started singing to me. Uh, cool times. It's all fun. And I started prophesying over myself. It's all, you can do that, by the way, right? You can prophesy to others, yourself, whatever. So the Lord starts prophesying like through me to me. And he's like, I am your glory and the lifter of your head. So I just start singing it. That's what you do. God shows up. You just do what he does, right? Jen starts singing a new song. You just go with it. Okay, so God's doing something. So you just go with it. You just say, okay, I just, I'm singing it. I'm singing it. As I'm singing to the Lord, this is what God says. He goes, you don't need to be defensive anymore. I was like, you're my joy. I mean, you're glory. You're the lifter of my head. I have no idea what you're talking about. I said, Lord, I'm not defensive. What are you talking about? I have no idea what you're defensive about. Is somebody attacking me? And he goes, he goes, he literally was like, hey, so like, like next time, I don't remember, he, I didn't know what he was talking about. He was like, yeah, next time, don't be defensive. You don't have to be defensive anymore. What are you talking about? I'm not defensive. You like that? I'm not defensive, <laughs> you know? And um, yeah, who are you talking to? And, uh, but then he goes, but then he's like telling me about something that's going to happen. Like he's like preparing me. And I'm like, nobody's attacking me. You know what I'm saying? I can, I'm fine. What was he doing? God was singing over me. Guess what he was doing? He was giving me the truth that would heal my heart and change my character. I am your glory, the lifter of your head. How does that relate to being defensive? I still don't know, but it's really cool. Like, my point is that there are truths about God's character. There's truths about who we are. There's inheritances. There's, there are scriptures. I'm telling you, there are scriptures that are your answer to your problem. There is truth about who God is and what he has provided for you in, his, in your inheritance that will set you free, that will literally transform you. This is what I did with Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2 is all about humility. I had all this pride in my life. So I just took Philippians chapter 2 and I just started meditating on it. And it says, have the mind of Christ. 
Jesus is the most humble. Isn't that the greatest thing? He's worthy of the most worship. He's the most humble. And I just started letting that destroy me, you know, the, the, the false part of me, and build me up and strengthen me. What did I do, though? I just worshiped him for who he is. What did I do if God's going to deliver me from like wrong concepts of himself so that I'm free of this anger and he begins to teach me how to be patient, kind, gentle? What do I do? I worship him. I I find those scriptures that teach these truths like we talked about last week, how I have peace with God and he's made a promise to me not to be angry with me. I take those scriptures and I meditate them. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to worship the Lord on earth as in heaven. Take the word of God. Take these truths. Take who God says he is. Take these promises and declare them back to God. Meditate them and declare them back to God and just add love to it. Just, just, I love that this is who you are. Thank you that this is what you say. I literally, you just, simple, right? You just add thank you to it. You just add some love to it, right? And you, ju- you turn your heart to God. I, I've told, I tell people, I tell preachers this all the time, I see you preach to God, you pray to God before you preach to people. I would literally, before I was a teacher, a preacher of the word, I would just take the word and I would declare it back to God. I would worship him. I would give him glory. I would take these truths and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that this is who you are. Thank you that this is what you say. Thank you that you've done this for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love that you, you're kind and you're patient. I love that you're humble. I love this about you. I love this about you. And I would adore him and love him and worship him and give him glory for who he is. And what happens? You become like the God you worship. You become what you behold. As you give him glory, his glory transforms you. As you worship God on earth as in heaven, heaven comes. I'm telling you, this is how. This is how character is changed. This is how communities are changed. This is how homes are changed. I want to encourage you every day, worship the Lord. Lift up your voice and give Him glory. Respond back to the Lord and just add that thankfulness I love to Him. And here on a Sunday morning or in our home groups or whatever, come ready to worship, ready to encounter the Lord. Come on time and come ready because you should, not because people are watching you. Come ready. It, sit. And just read your Bible. Journal. Draw. Talk to God. Pray. Whatever, but come and be in His presence. You say, oh, I'm not into that singing thing yet. That's fine. I have no idea what they're doing when they're singing for like 10 minutes. That's fine. Just be with God. Just come and sit in His presence. Kneel, stand, dance, whatever, but come and be with the Lord. And then when they, and then when they hit on something that just strikes something in your heart, and you're like, I don't know why, but feels cool, just join them. Start singing it with them. Or journal about it, or turn to the scripture, whatever, whatever. The point is that we're, we're changed as we behold him, we're changed as we worship him, and as we just get close to him, amen? Amen? Glenn, all right. Lead us in response.